0: Thanks for listening in and joining us on the Australian Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Jarrett, physical performance coach, health club owner, fitness educator, and yes, all-round fitness geek. I'm the guy who probably trains on Christmas Day. I would rather lift a barbell than drink a beer. And I'm a student of all things training and physical improvement. So what are we all about here at the Australian Fitness Podcast? Let me set the scene for you. If you've dabbled in training, exercise, weight loss, muscle gain, getting stronger, getting leaner, running further or have even the slightest interest in fitness and training, I think you'll get a lot out of this podcast. Australian Fitness Podcast, we're up to episode 44. We are now heading back to Melbourne. We've been in Noosa, we've been in WA, we're back in Melbourne. Familiar territory with a familiar friend. Craig Harper joins us for this episode. Good afternoon, Craig-o. Hello, Champion. How are you? Very well, mate. And uh, I won't ask you if you've been busy because that's just uh, a standard for you. You're all, you're always busy. So we'll just assume that life is, is running at a million miles an hour and we'll skip that question, shall we?
1: I, I reckon we should go there because, um, and I know this is not where you wanted to go and I don't care where you wanted to go because you're not the boss of me, but... <laughs> There's there's busy there's busy good and busy bad, isn't there? Have there, you have you noticed how some people wear their busyness like a badge?
0: Yes, and I think it might have actually been your, yourself chatting to another one of your guests on a podcast that you did, uh, and you talked about busy versus productive because they're different things, aren't they?
1: Hundred percent. I like their, You can be busily doing not much, mm-hmm. or you can be really effectively and productively working but you've still got quite a bit of downtime and free time and fun time or maybe even optimally your busy time where you're being productive is also fun
0: yeah i've noticed that i'll I'll draw an analogy to the gym with that because i see especially younger males going to the gym and train and they have their phone with them and they think they've done a, a sort of productive workout but if they actually watched themselves train and timed the amount of time they spent working as opposed to resting and scrolling their workouts are very very unproductive in fact in in 45 minutes I reckon they must do gee a solid eight sets
1: yeah Uh, and and pursuant to that your honor let's just talk about how hard young blokes some I'm going to qualify that don't train Well, the the intensity, the like I was looking at this young guy the other day and God bless him, he's got great genetics, better genetics than me. He's got, I assume, no injuries because he's 20 and he definitely didn't look injured. And he did exactly what you said. He was in, he pretty much arrived when I arrived and me and the crab were there for an hour, my training partner. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at his glorious genetics and his healthy joints and his healthy body. But everything was just so low intensity. Yeah. And I felt like going, do you know how strong you are compared to how you're lifting? And, you know, just not, not as a judgment but just as an encouragement. Go, mate, you're so much stronger than you think you are and you could train so much more productively. And it's not about being a warrior or a tough guy or it's just about going, this is like, one, do you want to get the most out of your genetics and your time and your, you know, your investment in the gym, I guess you're probably gonna say, Yes, I do. I go, Well, you're definitely not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just about how do I, how do I maximize my time and my energy in this joint? Well, one, train harder.
0: Yeah. Look, you and I, we didn't we didn't speak about the content of what this show was gonna be around, but you know, you've already pretty much kicked off with where I was going. I, I wanna throw I want to throw a couple of scenarios at you, and I want you to give me your wealth of experience being well, probably over 35 years of actually training in the gym, would you say, about 35 years now, lifting?
1: Yeah, well, 43. I started when I was 14, I'm 57. Yes, yeah, so there you go. And, so and I started yeah, and I started working with clients when I was 18, so that was 39 years. So, sleep is, I mean, sleep is where your endocrine system, your nervous system, your muscular, cardiovascular, respiratory system all kind of do their thing, especially on a hormonal level endocrine system. That's where your growth hormone and your testosterone do their magic and help you recover and repair and grow. Um, for it, let, let's say that you're in normal development, 16 to 22 year old 16, you still want to be careful because you're still a teenager, you're still growing, probably true right through to 22. But I would be doing, depending on what you, if you just say, I want to be bigger and stronger, let's go with that. I'd be doing, uh, like I'd be doing minimum. I'd be doing a minimum of three days a week. You could Mm -hmm. get away with two as long as you train really well. I'm talking just strength here, but I might be doing something like two on one off where, because when you're young and you get into weights, you want to be there a lot. You don't want to have four days off and three days on, but really that's more about your head. But so you could do what we call a, um, a two-day split where you do half your body on one day, half your body the next, the other half the next day, and then you have a day off. So in other words, every time you do, say, chest, back, and biceps, it's the it's three days later. So yeah. you've always got at least two days, at least two days between, you know, when you work those muscle groups. So you're never training any muscle groups back to back. Um, an interesting way of thinking about it is, or an idea is to do push-pull training where, one day you do all pushing movements or extension and pushing movements. And the next day you do all pulling and or flexion movements. So, you know, elbow flexion and so on. Yep. And the reason that we would do that is because, for example, the reason we might not train back on one day and then biceps the next day is because when we train our back, we're training our biceps anyway. Mm-hmm. The reason we might not do shoulder press, bench press dips, and then the next day tricep extension, extensions is because or push downs, is because the day before when we train all those pressing movements, incline press, bench press, push-ups, shoulder press, we're flogging our triceps because triceps do elbow extension, which is in all of those movements. Yep. So what's not a bad idea is one day we do all the pushing movements, so bench press, incline press, shoulder press, tricep extension, lying tricep. Um, extension, whatever it is, and then the next day we do all the, the elbow flexion stuff and we chuck in legs on whichever day we want and core. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, two on, one off. Um, if you are a beginner, total beginner, you should spend 12-ish weeks training somewhere between really easy and moderate. And I would – there's no absolute finite wrong or right or wrong number for this, but my general thinking is you want to spend at least a few months Conditioning your body to going into a gym and working out and getting used to training well and understanding what's working, understanding fundamental um, functional anatomy. In And you don't need to become an exercise physiologist, but just understanding what's working and how it's working. Yeah. Um, so that when you do a movement, you know what you, you don't need to go and look at a chart. You don't need to try and remember from. Because you now understand that if my elbow's bending, that's called elbow flexion, then it must be biceps and brachialis and brachioradialis because they're the muscles that cross the elbow joint, right? Yep. So when you know just fundamental stuff like that, I'm probably going a bit deep, but yeah. So two days on, one day off, or three days a week, different muscle group each time. So you could do, say, Monday, chest, back and biceps, if you wanted to do it that way, um, Wednesday, shoulders and triceps Friday legs weekend off and then back to the start there's no right or wrong either you've got to see how your body responds.
0: we spoke a little earlier about how you you see uh, with with a lot of younger males and and they may also be ones that have a, a limited field of experience in the gym but they seem to lack training intensity how how would you describe to a novice trainer how would you describe training intensity to them how would you get them to understand what that is now we talk about the rpe scale as an option but you know in lay terms how do you describe intensity to a to a person who's new to the gym okay
1: if we're talking about weight training i would say you know you training at let's just call that rate of perceived exertion, let's just call it a one to 10 scale. And you working really, really hard as you up around eight, nine, Mm -hmm. then what, what I would want, once you've got a base, let's go, you've got a base, you're not injured. I would want you training at eight or nine, not every session, not all the time, but pretty regularly, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to force your bodies to uh, your muscles to adapt to stress or your body to adapt overall. Um, So the way that I used to say to young guys would be or what I would say to them is if I walk up to you and you've done, let's say, a set of lat pull downs with a V-grip, so you're pulling it to the top of your chest and you've got it on, let's say, 70 kilos and you've done 10 reps, which is not a bad effort, 70 kilos, 10 reps. If you get to the point where you do 11, 12 and you go, I'm done, that's it, that's all I can do, if I walk up to you and I go, here's $1,000, do an extra rep, you shouldn't be able to do the extra rep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like for me, that's, that's training at threshold. Yep. Or maybe you can do another one or two more. But if I walk up to you and you've done 12 and you put the weight down and I say, is that you working really hard? And you go, that's me working really hard. And I said, well, what I want you to do is I want you to have three minutes off and we're going to do the same exercise with the same weight. But instead of 12, I want you to do 24. And if you do 24 reps, I'll give you $1,000 cash right now. <laughs> now, let me tell you, I reckon about 9 out of 10 would get the 24 reps. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. 1000 bucks. Mm. Now, if you can do 24 reps, why are you stopping at 12? And why are you telling me that you're working close to max? Mm. So there's a – now – there's a way of getting um, in pain intelligently and recklessly. We're talking about intelligent, strategic discomfort. Yep. The kind of discomfort that produces a positive result. We're not looking for injuries. We're not looking for accolades. We're not being he-men or women. Um, We're trying to stimulate our body in a way which will uh, create the adaptive response that we want. But. But, you know, my experience is that most people don't know how strong they are and also that, you know, we call it, it gets called different things, but I I call it performance threshold, which is where you, in terms of your ability, your strength, your endurance, your power, speed, whatever, you're near the edge for you. Yeah. So I believe most people train at about 40 to 60 and think they're training at 70 to 90. And that –
0: I agree with you and I think that is something that you need to spend time training to understand your body and how it reacts and how – and you you need to kind of learn, don't you, what it feels like to be truly uncomfortable uh, and pushing that performance threshold. Most new new trainers do not understand that.
1: Um, And we're not talking about – sorry, Rusty, we're not talking about being reckless. I mean some Mm. people think we're – no, it's not about being macho or – Look, I've got so many injuries now. There are just certain, like, for example, I can't bench press because I've torn both rotator cuffs. Um, I can't. So it's not, I don't go, oh, geez, I'm just going to work through the pain because that's that's unintelligent. So -hmm. what I do is I find other ways of training my chest at a level which is either going to maybe improve, probably not, but hopefully keep what I've got while not injuring myself but i still work so i can do flies and i can do pec deck and i can do dumbbell presses on a ball to an extent right at a reasonably intense level but i cannot bench press even half what i used to without significant pain
0: oh well just to go a little deeper on that when you're bench pressing are you you talking barbell bench i'm assuming i'm talking
1: old fashioned or- barbell and bench and that one of the reasons as you know or do you want to take over or
0: well no i was just going to ask you is it is it the range of motion as so as you bring the bar down towards your chest mm. and then you start to reverse that movement into is that where you're is that where you're getting pain
1: i'm assuming the it's funny thing that. is the heart yeah the hardest part of the movement from a biomechanical point of view and where you've got the least leverage as you know is the bottom mm. it's the bottom of the range i have no pain there i only have right. pain when i'm locking it out at the top really Yeah. Yeah. So the easy bit is the worst bit for me. So I can actually bench a solid weight just doing the bottom half of the movement, which is the hardest part, right? But once I get past about rusty about, and I'm doing a visual here, I apologize everyone because this is terrible for you. But once I get up around two thirds extension to full extension is where the pain is. But also interestingly, what happens is you think about when you bench press and I'm no biomechanist, right? So I could stuff this up a little bit. But you think about when you're on a bench press, you're on something that is essentially most bench presses are pretty firm, right? There's not mm. a whole lot of give. Mm. And so when you do that that bench press movement, naturally what happens is your shoulder blades or scapulae come in closer to your spine and we call that scapular retraction. But when you're yeah. on a bench a hard bench and you're jammed against that bench and then you're jammed under a weight. When you do that movement, your your scapula can't slide in, Mm -hmm. which they load up and then the glenohumeral joint, which is the most unstable joint in the body, then that gets loaded up as well and then you can be in a world of hurt versus on a ball, which is soft and forgiving and it's convex, so it's round obviously, and you're lying on top of that, and because of the shape of the ball and the softness of the ball, your scapula can move. Uh, your scapulae can move a little bit more freely. So for me, I find that you know two or three out of ten pain versus a bench press, which is about nine and a half.
0: Right. Interesting. That's interesting because that's not what I assumed where you would be getting your pain. But that's oh,
1: exactly. Oh, it's completely abnormal, right? Yes. Yeah. But the fu- the other funny thing too is, look, and this is, this is the beauty of this, everyone, is that, you know, it's not absolute. Like if if I if I get on a bench and I do um, say the same movement with dumbbells, I get the same pain. Mm-hmm. But if I if I supinate my hands halfway round, so in other <laughs> words, now I'm pressing, you know, like yeah. vertically rather than horizontally. Yep. Uh, in other words. Like a hammer grip, yep, yeah, so then the pain reduces by sixty seventy percent, wow, yeah,
0: that's yeah. interesting. I'm gonna have yeah. to dig out the biome I'm gonna have to dig out the biomechanics books and have a look at that, but yeah, 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 look, it's interesting I, I can't really even, interesting, you
1: know, I did that three hundred and fifteen years ago um but <laughs> but, but that's the other thing too is. You know, like for everyone listening, you go, so listen to Russ. He's got a master's degree. He's got vast experience. He's worked with the best athletes on the planet and I've done a few things as well. So listen to us and take it on board, but also go and see what works for you and see how your body responds because you don't need to be a scientist to be scientific. No, you don't need to be a researcher in inverted commas to do research and you don't need to be a psychologist to be intelligent or to think critically about and pay attention to what your body is telling you in terms of uh, feeling when you're doing certain movements but also outcome yeah agreed
0: it's interesting isn't it when when you when you put it like that uh, you know people people still ask me okay so you know if i want to achieve goal a should i train in this fashion or in this fashion or should i eat this or should i eat that and sometimes i look at them and go well i don't know um kind of depends (laughs) It, it depends and they're like, but shouldn't you know? Shouldn't you actually be able to tell me the absolute answer? And what you've just explained is with with training, with exercise, with physical change, performance, and so forth, there is no absolute answer. People need to let go of that because it becomes very frustrating and very limiting if you believe that there's an absolute sort of best method of training or reading for each person. I know you've touched on that hundreds of times. Um so let's let's flip the switch here. You know that's the young male approach. What about younger females? Um, there is still there is still a, a belief and a um an an attitude out there. I think in in the fitness world, in in the exercise world, that weight training is a not relevant or b perhaps dangerous. Not dangerous, but um not not uh, relevant for female um for females in general. Ha, ha, we're not. We, are we winning the battle here in terms of getting girls to to embrace weight training for all sorts of great physical outcomes?
1: Mm, that's a good question. Um, so I'm just going to, if we're talking about <clears throat> young men and women, uh, j- just young people generally, but young girls. Yep. I'm going to say, uh, can young people get away with? I use that term loosely. Not lifting weights. Of course they can. Mm -hmm. but is there benefit in it? Well, yes. But again, there are so many variables. Like if a girl comes to me and she goes, I'm a carpenter, I'm on the tools all day. And by the way, I actually met a girl recently who is a carpenter. She's ace and she's Mm. on the tools all day and she's carrying and she's lifting and she's physically, and she's in great shape. Mm -hmm. I said to her you probably don't need to go to a gym cuz you work all day on a gym like yep. you're you're moving your body so it depends a little bit on the situation and the lifestyle but yep. in general terms i think what you're saying is there's a there's an unhealthy belief around what weight training will do for women yeah but more more accurately it's probably seen as do to women like firstly The amount of women who can gain, naturally gain significant, I underline naturally, that is without chemical assistance, lots of muscle is virtually no one, Mm -hmm. right? Women building big muscular bodies generally doesn't happen. Um, Doesn't mean that women can't be muscular or athletic or super strong or have amazing physiques. Um, But, yeah, what's interesting was I I had this happen 1,000 times uh, ish in my gym where, um, and you and I had a, you and I had a business together. You had Caulfield, I had Brighton and a f- couple of others here and there. And the way that I used to do this was a, a lady would come into the gym and doesn't matter how old she is. She could be 25. She could be 22. She could be 52. And she'd walk around the gym and we'd be talking about training. And we'd be talking about, you know, her wanting to get in shape and invariably, someone would say to me in the course of a week, "Oh, yeah, but um, I I don't really want to do weights because I don't want to get all I don't want to get all manly." That's that's often what people would say to me. Yeah. I, I don't want to yeah. get manly. Yeah, or I don't want to get all big and butch, right? And I'd go, okay, and then I'd I'd start to explain, and I, yeah, I'd go, well, look, it's different. Your your endocrine system's different, and the you know you're not. And I could see him go. I could see their eyes glazing over a bit going, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm not doing weight. So especially coming from me, the buffed with big muscles, right? Yep. So I'm like, so what? how I would fix this instantly yeah. is I would get one of my female trainers who was on the floor who had, you know, a great body, very athletic, very trim, still feminine but like, and I'd say, okay, so see that girl over there. And they'd say, yeah, I go, so that's Sally. And they go, oh, wow, she looks amazing. And I'd go, Sal, can you just tell, you know, this is whoever, this is Donna. I go, could you tell Donna how often you train with weights? And she would usually go, oh, four days a week. And I go, and how long have you been doing that for? Mm, 10 years. And then they'd look at me and go, I want to do weights. I'm like, yeah. fixed, <laughs> healed, you have been healed. healed, right? <laughs> Because all of a sudden this misconception has been blown apart with an actual human in front of them. Yep. So here's this feminine, uh, attractive lady in this great fit, athletic, strong, functional body who just goes, oh, well, I'm actually proof that what you're talking about doesn't need to be true. Mm -hmm. In fact, really... You know, and then sometimes I would press them and say, how hard is it for you to gain muscle? And they'd say, really hard. Like, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Most, like a lot of people, men and women, the word that I used to use which would get people over the line in terms of them uh, having a bit of an aha moment was athletic. Yes. Most people want to kind of have an athletic body. They don't want to be huge. They don't want to be, you know, anorexic. They don't want to be, you know, they don't want to win any competitions necessarily. But there's a space in the middle where you go, look, you're quite fit. You're quite strong. You could go and run five or 10 Ks. You could do 30 or 40 push ups. You could do a few chin ups. You've got good flexibility. Like you've got a really functional athletic body. Most people go, that's what I want.
0: Yep, totally. And and it's hard, isn't it? Some people find it hard to describe when they're looking for a a training um, program or a, or a coach to guide them. A lot of people have it find it very difficult to articulate what what it is they're searching for. I mean, the you know, for instance, people continue to use the word tone. I want to be toned, and and we know that tone is a weird way of describing the fact that you might want to add a bit of muscle. Um, and, and and the the vernacular has changed. So people now people go, I want to be shredded. Uh, I, I need to be. Sh- you know, I'm on a shred. I'm like, what's a sh- what's a shred? Like, do you find the yeah. language of the gym has changed? Oh, like dude. back in our day, yeah, I think like, I think well, the term was. Yeah, all, we we well, want to be we, we want to
1: be huge. You know. Well, I think you're a little bit outdated. It's jacked now. You're going to be jacked. <laughs> Sorry, jacked, jacked. You're going to be jacked. If you're not jacked. And girls get get jacked and guys get jacked. You're just going to be jacked. Yeah. And, and, you know, anyway, but it's, look, I mean, the the bottom line is there's a look that people want. And my experience is that a a lot of times the look that people want is I look fit and strong and athletic Mm. without being ridiculous. And, Mm -hmm. you know, most, you know, most of us do. Most of us, you know, like obviously, At 57, my priority is how I feel and how I function. Yeah. But I would be a flat-out liar if I said I don't care how I look, Yeah, right? Of course I care how I look. I'm normal. I've got an ego. I'm human. And, of course, I want to look as good as I can at my age with my genetics, but my priority is how healthy I am and then how well my body, in inverted commas, works. Sure.
0: Now, as we age – uh, let's say that we we fast forward a little bit and we go from 25 through to through to 35 maybe close to 40. Yeah. i i find that anyone who is exercising on a regular basis uh, with some strength training especially through those through those years male and female they tend to keep their health and their strength and their function you know they tend to keep it in pretty good check it's it's a it's a bracket whereby if you've done some good training in your younger years, it will hold you in good stead until around about the age, and I'm only sort of, you know, uh, it's just an estimation, but around about 40, things start to get a little trickier and they change. How do you, yeah, how do you so see I, that?
1: Sorry, dude. I, I call those the transitional years because hmm. I'm with you. I think 40, and again, this is bro science and this is observation and this is, this is just a generic range. Because for some people it's thirty-two, for some people do fuck all till they're forty-seven, and they're still brand new. Yeah, you know, I wish I had your genetics. That's just luck. But I reckon generally, this is not the right term, but I'm going to use it though because we all understand it. Generally, you can get away with it till you're about late thirties, maybe yep. forty, right? And that is, you can kind of. We're not suggesting it, but you can kind of get away with not eating awesome. We're not talking about abuse, but not training too consistently, if at all. And But, you know, there's a thing that happens and it happens to different people at different stages depending on uh, a lot of variables, the, the biggest one, of course, being genetics, but where your body just doesn't respond the way that it used, doesn't recover the way that it used to. It doesn't work the way that it used to. And so... Then, you know, there are some guys uh, and and ladies as well, which, you know, all of a sudden they're doing exactly what they've been doing, but they're almost getting, you know, um, their body fats going up by the week. It's yeah. like I'm, yeah. I'm eating what I was eating a year ago, but I'm four kilos heavier mm. and I'm tired mm. and I'm sore and well, that's because um, your body's changing. And so, yeah, I think we can get away with it till we're 40 ish and that's very you know, general, but but we don't want to get away with it. We want to slide into our forties in good shape and our fifties in good shape. And you know, I had a lady on my podcast. You should definitely get her on. Have I spoken to you about Dr. Ingrid? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, I've listened to that episode. It was a beauty. Yeah. Well, you know, here's this seventy-three year old lady who started working out when she was sixty five. And now she trains three days a week with a trainer and she she doesn't need a trainer. She just does that by choice, but she lifts weights three days a week. She's 73. She runs, she stretches, she runs a lot. She's done uh, a full marathon and many half marathons, still doing them at 73, still works full time. She's the, the head of uh, psychiatry at Royal Adelaide Hospital. She's sharp as a tack. And her biological age is something like 40. It's ridiculous. Mm. But cognitively and emotionally and socially, it, it it's hard to believe that you're talking to or interacting with somebody who's in their mid-70s. Yeah. Because her brain and her body and her emotional system don't know. It's no. because she's just done this thing where she's literally changed the way that her mind and her body works. And so yeah. – we know that in a very real sense, like people are always looking for anti-aging secrets, lift weights, move, yeah. Yeah. sleep, eat great. I mean, the, the, the best strategy in the world is to manage those variables way better. They're never going to invent a pill, powder, potion or product which will come close ever to uh, the right lifestyle yep. with the right ingredients.
0: So, if, again, if you're the coach of someone in their mid-40s, male or female, what are the uh, – you've kind of touched on a few of them there now. How Let's be a bit more specific. How would you program their strength training, their weight training in particular? Would they train uh, – well, no, I won't answer that. Y- you tell me. H- how would you approach it as opposed to writing a program for a 25-year-old, male or female?
1: Yeah. So obviously we go in eyes wide open and we're, we're a little more cautious. We're cautious all the time, but with somebody in their forties, the chance of them having no injuries are slim or no mm-hmm. pre-existing anything, any medical issues, or they've never had a dodgy lie back or they've never injured a shoulder or a knee or a, so you just go and, and you start from there, you know, so you go, because as you said before, there is no ideal generic program. So Russell's best program is not Craig's best program. And, vice versa so what we do is um we and this is something people that do what russ does and i do and a lot of people don't like saying is that what we're doing when we write a program is we're guessing (laughs) we're taking a very educated guess Mm. and we're, we're what based on all our knowledge and study and experience and observation we're collating all of that in that moment in time with that human with that body with that goals we're taking our best guess at writing a program But then what we want the person to do is to go away, do the program, and then let's see how your body responds to that intervention or that stimulus. So I tend to, it depends a little bit. Like if I have people who are in their 40s or even 50s who come into the gym and they're quite nervous and they're quite uncomfortable and they're quite unfamiliar in that space, the first thing that I want to do is actually make them comfortable and confident. So, I often will give them a program, especially a first ever program, which is primarily pin loaded. Yep. Which seems, which is almost contraindicated these days. Yeah. Mm. I'm more interested in them getting to lift stuff and getting comfortable in a gym and pulling a pin in and out and jumping on the pec deck or jumping on the leg extension or whatever it is. If it's not the most functional program right now on the planet, I don't care. What I care is that you come to the gym, you don't hate it, you get some confidence, you get some body awareness, you start to get a bit of strength. And once you've been here for 12 weeks or how whatever the period is, then we're going to go, how are you going? And you're going to go, I really like it. And I go, cool, we're going to introduce some stuff that's a bit different and a bit harder. But now you've got 12 weeks of training under your belt, you've got a nice base. And so they're in a place where you can start to do things that require more skill and more competence Without because here's what exercise physiologists some and trainers don't get sometimes. Doesn't matter how brilliantly designed the program is from a physiological perspective, if they're terrified and they hate the experience and they don't enjoy it and they're not comfortable, well, your program doesn't matter. No. So you gotta you gotta work with the person, the human, as well as the body. So in answer to your question, I would start them gently. I would uh, I would make sure they enjoy it as much as possible while also saying sometimes it's going to be a bit hard that's okay too and I would probably have them doing weights 3ish 2 to 3 days a week
0: and and what you've said there is is probably one of the most important things that you've mentioned in the podcast so so far and that is that you have to find a way to make that unco- that person comfortable in an environment that they're very uncomfortable in because Owning and operating a gym, as you and I have done for a long period of time, we know that the majority, overwhelming majority of people that walk into gyms are not familiar nor comfortable with that space. So so we have to find a way to keep them in that space or they're never going to get in shape. Well, I mean, not never, Correct. but they're going to they're gonna have to find a different way. If they, if they don't like the gym, well, then they're going to have to find a different way.
1: Well, every 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 first timer, I would say, is somewhere between a bit uncomfortable and real uncomfortable. Yeah, totally, totally.
0: Uh, so so off the top of your head, um, I- ignoring age brackets and ignoring male v v female, just people in general in the gym lifting weights, because you still go to the gym, you know, almost daily, and you 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 people watch as well whilst you're training. I know you can't, you probably can't help that being a, a past coach. What are the biggest mistakes that people are making in the gym these days when they're lifting? Is it not enough weight? Is it not enough rest? Is it too much rest? Is it inappropriate form? Is it speed? What, what do you see? You know, if you could fix most people's technique, what, what are the things that you tell people here? Get these three things
1: right and most of everything will fall into place. Well, I'm going to speak the macro and then the micro. So sure. the macro is that people basically do the same workout all the time. It's Groundhog Day in the gym, right? That's what it is. It's just Dumbbell Groundhog Day. It's Barbell Groundhog Day. So people go in, they do the same workout, same sets, reps, volume, intensity, same machines, same kettlebells, same treadmill in the corner because we're creatures of habit. Now, there are good habits and bad habits. That's a bad habit. Mm -hmm. So the more variety, the more progression, as long as it's done strategically and intelligently over time, the better. Yep, Because, you know, you've heard me talk and you you use similar language where we talk in in layman's terms about a kind of a progressive program and a maintenance program. And most people should be following a program that's progressive or varied and or varied in nature, but they don't. Because they want to change. But ironically, I would think I don't have data on this, neither do you, but my guess would be that about 90% of people in gyms essentially are doing a version of the same workout every time they go,
0: Yeah,
1: right? Same exercise, sets, reps, volume, intensity, same amount of time in the gym, same amount of recovery between sets, the same weight on the lat pull, the same number of reps or the same squats or the same range of movement or the, you know, whatever. And that's, if your goal is to stay where you are and to maintain, then that's a perfect program. But if your goal is, well, actually, I want to be fitter and stronger and more powerful and leaner and I want to adapt and I want to look different and feel different and function differently, then you need to give your body a reason to adapt accordingly. Yep. So that's, I mean, that really answers it all, I think, Rusty, because there's the micro within the macro, which is use good form, train, you know, warm up, all that stuff, train heavy enough, don't train too heavy. I think also I'll chuck this in. One of the things that I've had to manage, and, and you, I think you've had to manage, and everyone has to manage at a point in time, is that when it comes to our body, we are emotional because mm. it's our body. Mm. But when it comes to the practice of t- training, we need to, as much as possible, which is easier said than done, is turn down the emotion and turn up the strategy. Yep. Because if we just go by how we feel all the time, there's a fair chance we're going to overtrain or undertrain. There's a fair chance that we're going to do all the stuff that we love to do and ignore the stuff that we don't love to do. So we're going to have these enormous lats and this terribly weak lower back, (laughs) you know, or we're going to have this Superman upper body and legs like Julia Roberts. Not that she doesn't have good legs, no disrespect, but if you're built like, you know, bloody Anthony Cudafides, you don't want Julia Roberts' legs. No. I don't know why I thought of her. Apologies. Um, I'll, you know, I'll make sure she, I'll make sure she gets that. Yeah. Could you, Julia, if you're listening, uh, uh, I don't know what to say. I feel whatever I say from here, I'm going to get myself in trouble. All I say is, all I'm saying is apologies. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. when I hurt my back, I hurt my back a couple of years ago, really badly. And I remember one day I got out of the showers, just drying off and, I was about to get dressed. I looked down at my legs. I went, "Oh my god, my legs look like my mum's legs," because <laughs> I I look like Mary from the hips down. Um, I, I couldn't because I, I couldn't train my legs for the best part of a year. Yeah, you know, and then so anyway, they're back now. But it's been they're it's back? been a, took took a year, dude, to get my yeah. legs back to like kind of normal. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> funny. I've got I've got one more question because I know I know
0: you've got stuff you you want to get get to and 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 uh, you're a busy man but mate uh, off the back of the weird twelve months that we've just sort of experienced and it's it's probably not still put to bed yet but but based off all of the 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 craziness and, and hysteria and everything the the ups and downs do you feel as, as in general that the general public's um, uh, perception or attention to their own health has Improved, stayed the same or decreased? Mm. So are, are people are people more interested in looking after themselves and staying healthy or are they just like uh, I'll, I'll just stick my head in the sand and, and hope this all blows over?
1: Um, the, the answer is I don't know. My feeling is I think people are more – my feeling is that I think people are more – aware and more conscious and more proactive. And I think what I noticed during the lockdown was like, I walk every day anyway, I live 800 meters from the beach. So most days I walk there or work, walk, walk around suburbia. And for me, it's not exercise, it's therapy. I put on a podcast, usually the Australian fitness podcast for the 15th time <laughs> each episode. Of course uh, I can't get enough of rush charity. He's a genius. Um, I just put on my headphones and walk down to the beach and, um, but what I noticed was there were just people out walking multitudes that I'd never seen in my life. And I've lived in this area for 25 years, right? I'm going, I've never seen you. And then all of a sudden there's throngs of locals out walking that never walk. Totally. And it's because that's one of the four reasons you can go outside. Yeah. So I think a lot of people started to be more active because they were confined indoors, you know? So what I don't know is whether or not that's going to take. I hope it does, um, you know. And I hope that um, I hope that people that started to create some momentum during, you know, the messy twelve months we've had. I hope people can build on that. Yeah, cool. Um,
0: nutrition. Uh, I know this is opening up a massive a massive uh, box, Pandora's box. But what what what's Craig Harper's Uh, you know how how do you manage your nutrition what are your what are your focuses do you just keep it real basic do you supplement what do you make sure that you do versus don't do just just a a quick two-minute answer on that
1: yeah yeah yeah. okay so i my challenge has always been from when i was a little kid it's always been food training easy for me to navigate you know don't drink don't smoke don't do drugs i never had no problems there sleep not an issue hydration not an issue mindset, not, not an issue. Like I'm always, I don't have to drag myself to the gym, but for me, cause I was a fat little kid and food was my drug. Um, and, and it still could be, I have had a really interesting relationship with food. So for me, that's always been my challenge. So, um, I talk to people about before I, I don't really I don't really jump into micros and macros and you you can a bit. You can talk about energy in and out and, of course, it's still relevant and valid and it matters. Of course it does. But before we even get to the specifics, the nuts and bolts and metrics of, you know, micros, macros, energy in, out, et cetera, and blood sugar and bloody insulin response and all that stuff, I, I talk to people more simply about their relationship with food. And I go, look, before we jump into like writing you a diet, which I don't do and you don't do, but I go, do you eat food that you don't need on a pretty regular basis? Just be honest. And people go, yeah. I go, cool. That's thanks for being brave and honest. Yeah. I I used to do that all the time too. And I go, how's that working out? And they're like, shit house, of course. Mm -hmm. So I think before we start, Going on, what do you think of Paleo or Mediterranean or what do you think of the bloody sixteen eight or the five two or the Michael Mosley or the like mm. all of that stuff matters. But what matters is being aware and being present of how you think and choose and behave around food. Yep. Like if you if you don't need something and you know like you know that you don't need that, but nonetheless you make a decision to put that in your mouth and eat it, and there's no judgment or hate here, there's just awareness. Yep. So I talk about eating consciously, and and I'll leave you with one. So here's it: if if you feel like that food is your big challenge and you've got food issues, whether or not that's just one end of the spectrum, we would say disordered eating through to the other end of the spectrum, an eating disorder. Mm. Um, with let's say one or two being disordered eating and 10 on the scale being out of control eating disorder, I've spent most of my life somewhere between probably two and six. Yep. You know, and Russ, you've seen me fat and Russ, you've seen me thin and lean and you've seen me muscular. You've seen all the variations of me, but all the while I was always training, but food was always my challenge. And it's really only the last decade which I'm embarrassed to say, but it's true to say that I've kind of got my shit together. And this is me, the guy that owned all the gyms. So so the question you want to ask yourself before you put anything in your mouth is, do I want it or do I need it? This is a self-awareness in the moment question. Do I want it or do I need it? And if you don't need it, and one of your goals is to be healthy, fit, lean and functional, then maybe don't put it in your mouth.
0: Great, great note to finish on. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Um, I will put in the show notes uh, some mentions in terms of how people can follow you uh, on social media, the You Project and uh, whiteboard lessons and all of that stuff is the way that you generally communicate and provide amazing value for people. Is there a project or something that you're working on at the moment or that you're offering at the moment that you want to make people aware of? Anything that you, you think is really relevant
1: for people to jump onto at this point? Um, look, we're running a mentoring group, which is 12 weeks, which we've had two weeks down, but you can watch the two weeks online. We've got 10 to go and you're putting this up Monday. So the third installment will be Monday night, Yep. but I'm, you know, there's no sales in that, but you know, have a look at that if you want, but, but probably more important than that is um, my website, which is cocarpa.net. There's lots of free stuff on there. There's lots of articles, there's lots of videos, there's lots of Um, you know, podcasts. And if you go to Whiteboard Lessons, which is at Whiteboard Lessons, which is my Insta, there's just lots of, you know, educational, motivational, inspirational stuff. And nearly everything I put out is free. So there's lots of good stuff and you don't have to spend a cent.
0: Perfect. Now you've been dealing with people or humans, as you put it, for the better part of 30 years, physically and mentally. Um, You were or not you were. You are one of the, I guess, the most um, successful people at doing that that I've seen in in my experience. And the only thing I can add to it is you seem to be getting better.
1: So good on you, mate. You're getting better at this bloody thing. Do you know what? I've I've done such a deep dive into myself, Rusty, and I think you need to start with yourself. Because I realized a lot I was full of shit. And I didn't even know I was full of shit. And I wasn't a bad person. But you know, I think when you – my PhD is on self-awareness and when you start to become more self-aware, not self-critical, not self-loathing, just self-aware and honest and you become a better version of you, which I'm trying hard, then you become better to be around and better with others and for others, you know. So for me it's very much about – um It's like, am I providing value to the world? And am I still, like I'm still 80% student, 20% teacher.
0: Cool. Great attitude. Thanks, Crago. Once again, awesome stuff. I love having you on the show. We'll talk again soon, but go out there and keep doing good stuff, mate. See you soon. Thanks, mate.